Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. The Bible says that we are to be transformed. How many have heard that scripture? We're going to read that here shortly. But we're to be transformed in our mind and our thinking. Because I'll tell you this, before I came to know the Lord, I was walking, as I've told you many times, I was walking this way. My mind thought a certain way. I, I, I didn't care. And, and I thought this way. That's what came naturally to me. That was my natural inclination. But then one day, somebody began witnessing to me. And then in my mid-20s, I received the Lord for the very first time in my life and no longer walked this way. I now became a transformed person and began walking this way. How many have know what I'm talking about this morning? Lord spoke to you and, and what was normal before was not normal anymore. See, God renews your mind and your way of thinking. And I would challenge you today that if there is no difference, I want to really challenge you today. Has he really transformed your mind? And, and that's the gist of this message this morning is how we're to become transformed. I'm convinced that one of the greatest wars that takes place is, again, not on the battlefield on this earth, but in your mind. It takes place right here. We must declare his reign on earth through a personal renewing, and it starts in our minds. But as you, as you know and as you would expect, anytime you want to do something for God, expect opposition. Expect the enemy to come saying, hey, hold up. What, what, are things so bad that you've got to go change 180 degrees? Are you so twisted in your mind? You don't have to listen to those people. You don't have to do what they're all telling you to do or what the Word of God tells you to do. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. And that's what the enemy would tell you. In fact, that's what some of my friends used to tell me. But when I gave up all the things that I used to do, all of a sudden, those people didn't come hanging around me. They really weren't my friends. All they wanted was that free beer, the free drugs, the free whatever I had for them. And that's why they were around. They were really leeches is what they were. A friend is somebody that hangs out with you, right? A friend is somebody that's there with you no matter what's going on. And I know most of you here have friends like that that will, that will stick with you. But what I want to talk to you about here is that Satan would like nothing more than to keep you in your old thought patterns. Remember I said last week that sometimes as new believers, as new creations, the old man wants to come up out of the grave, right? And we've got to throw dirt on him and stomp him back down, right? We, he, he wants to come back out. Especially, oh my goodness, on Black Friday, you go out shopping and that person cuts in front of you at Target and somebody starts yelling and, and cuts in front of you. That old man, that old woman in you wants to rise up and say, hey, hold up now. And, and before you know it, you're throwing blows, right? You got to be careful. The old person wants to rise up. And, and that's, a, that's a fact. In fact, not only do they want to rise up in you, that old person, the old patterns, the old mindsets, the old thought process want to rise up in you. The Bible says we have to renew our mind daily to keep that old man buried. Otherwise, if you don't, you're going to allow that to spring up and grow back in. And that person is now going to run your life. And you don't want that, believe me. It's going to lead you to, to, to judgment, to being judgmental. To quick to speak, to, to being anger, angry all the time. You know the old man that I'm talking about? 
the old woman that was quick to cuss you, cuss somebody out, that person. That's who I'm talking about. Now the Lord gives us patience, doesn't he? Patience. Sometimes you got to be careful when you pray, Lord, give me patience. I don't know if I can handle this. He will give you patience, but you got to endure a lot more than you used to have to in the past. But he helps you with that. He helps you. How many here ask for patience? Right? Well, he's going he's gonna to bring a trial your way and test you. That's the only way you're going to know that you have patience. How many pray for wisdom to handle that patience, to handle that trial? Every day we need to be praying for those things. There's a, there's a man by the name of Dutch Sheets. He, along with uh, Joyce Meyer, have published two books. Uh, Dutch Sheets' book is called Authority in Prayer, Praying with Power and Purpose. Joyce Meyer has a book, The um, Battlefield of the Mind. Many of you have heard that book. They both speak on this one thing, that our war is not physical, but it's spiritual. It's a spiritual war, and it begins in here, in your mind. Amen? Now, the Bible reminds us that our war is not against flesh and blood. Your, your next-door neighbor, who is a devout atheist, is not your enemy. Your next-door neighbor, who may be of a different religion or a different gender identity, how many know what I'm talking about these days, is not your enemy. In fact, what I always and what I constantly say here is, is the words of Billy Graham is, it's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to, to convict, our job is to love. That's our job. That's my job. The Holy Spirit will convict. God will judge. Not you, not I. But how many know that there are churches that will judge you? They'll give you that, that look, right? They'll give you that look when you walk into church, which is so unfortunate. So unfortunate. But we are commanded to love one another. Amen? So, again, whether you're a, an unbeliever or you have an unbeliever as a neighbor, an atheist, a different theology, you're, they're not your enemy. You are to love on them. Because I always go back to this. Why would that unbelieving neighbor ever want to come to church with you if you're always dissing them, if you're always throwing stuff at them? Why would they ever want to come to your church? Amen? You know, again, what I love about our church, and we're missing so many folks today, but we have the colors of the rainbow in this church. I love that. And, and that's one of the great things I get to see every Sunday. So again, we are not to, our, our war isn't against flesh. It's against the spiritual forces that battle against us. See, all these people I mentioned, they're loved by God, and God Almighty wants each of them to be saved, just like he wants you to be saved, amen? Because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Our war with these forces is a war for the soul of our nation, for the, for the souls of your household, for the, for the souls of this, the children that attend this school. It's a war. It's a spiritual war. Amen. Now, the real war is over the transformation of our thought processes. Here's where we got to change. Here's where we got to be transformed. If left to our own devices, the Bible says, we go back to the old man. We go back to the old person. And, and how many don't want that old person to come up again? How many are with me? Want to keep that one buried, right? Amen. I didn't, I didn't hear you. Uh, you want to keep them buried? Because you know how it was, that old person. 
you know, uh, certainly Anna and I never, ever would have gotten married if she had met the old Rick. That's just not happening. She never would have married me. I never would have had my two beautiful daughters. I never would have had the blessings I have now if I had not been transformed by the renewing of my mind. Now, the most spiritual or the most powerful means of influence and attack are through strongholds. The enemy knows that. How many have heard the word stronghold? Stronghold. There, that's the most powerful way of attacking us. And before I go into what that means, why don't you stand with me one more time as we read our sermon text. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it's also on your outline. If, if you need an outline, just raise your hand. One will be given to you. But it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, our scripture text, sermon text. I'm going to read from verses 3 through 6 out of the uh, English Standard Version. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you right now. Thank you for your word, Lord, which endures forever. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we thank you, and I pray your anointing upon this word that we would have ears to hear, that, Lord, I would have the words to speak, that, Lord, that you would anoint every word, every thought today, and we declare that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. How many are thankful for his word? Thankful for his word. Amen. Amen. So here Paul is speaking. He's talking to the Corinthian people. He's reminding them of this great battle, of this great war on the mind. This great war on the mind. When we capture a thought and make it obedient to Christ, we're lining up with what he wants for our life. We're, we're, we're simply transforming that thought into the way Christ would want us to receive that or to begin to walk in obedience to him. How many have seen that in their life? When you begin to walk in obedience to him. See, let me, let me get back to stronghold. What is a stronghold? Well, it's simply stated a stronghold is a thought process. Everybody say a thought process. That has been constructed and allowed allowed to take up residence. So listen to where that comes from. It's a thought process that's allowed to take up residence. You've opened the door to this thought process. Most of the time it's false. And you've opened the door, you've received that, and you said, yeah, come right here and be comfortable and come and live with me now and be a part of me now. How many know that's that's where it starts right there? That then becomes a stronghold. You start believing that negative thing. There, there's so many children, and maybe this was one of you as you were growing up, that had that, that, um, that outlook on life because you were beat up by a parent or a relative that said you would never amount to anything. How many know of people like that? That were told repeatedly a lie from the pit of hell that you would never amount to anything. And look at you now. Look at you now. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for that. He's worthy of your praise. 
He's transformed your mind and thinking and made you the person you are today. Paul goes on to tell the Corinthians that if they do not bring their thoughts into captivity, their minds will be affected by wrong philosophies, by wrong thinking, and a stronghold will be developed. See, when you think wrong, strongholds begin to take place in your life. I I had to let go of strongholds when I was walking this way, opposed to the the things of of the Lord. I had to allow the Lord to take those strongholds away from me. Because I had allowed them in my life to take control of my mind and my thinking. A stronghold is, is extremely tough to let go of. How many know that? Strongholds are, are vices. They're, they're drugs. They're the alcohol. They're the, you name it. There's so many vices. There's the gambling stronghold. There's the lying stronghold. There's the gossip stronghold. Right? How, you know, I was talking to somebody recently. And, and they were saying, because I, I told them, there's one thing that we do not stand for is gossip. And I, and I hate, I abhor when I hear gossip. I hate it. I'll stop it right there. And, and this one person was telling me about what was going on in that church. And, and somebody was telling them about something about their pastor. And I said, wait a minute, hold up. You should have told them right there. I'm sorry, I got to stop you. If you're talking about my pastor, I got to stop you right there. I am not going to hear it. You may believe that, but I, I can't hear that. I can't receive that. See, the family, which you are a part of, you, we're united, amen? We're all part of the same family. How many here are going to stand for, their, for, their, for somebody to talk bad about your wife or about your husband? That don't go, right? That's not going to fly anywhere. You're going to stand right up to them. You're going to say, hey, hold up. What are you saying? You're going to say, what are you saying? You know, I, I can picture Garland right now. He's not going to take no nonsense from nobody. He's going to come front them. And that's what we do in the house of God as well. When someone's talking about somebody else, you just say, hey, hold up. We don't need to hear that, but let's take it to God. Let's take it to God. Amen? Amen. So, again, I'm going to go to our outline. I have three points I want to talk to you real quickly. Number one is preventing strongholds in our life. Preventing. How do we prevent them? Now that I I know what it is. Well, let me read this scripture. You you don't need to stand. But Romans 12 verses 1 through 2 says the following. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other version, it says, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. Transformed. By the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you want to know what the will of God is for your life? Do you want to know what what is good and pleasing to God for your life? Follow this right here. Be transformed in your mind. Be transformed in your mind. What it's telling me is that unless you're transformed in your mind, you will never discover what the will of God is for you. You will never discover what the good and pleasing will for, for your life is until you are transformed in your mind. See, Paul's statement there over 2,000 years ago to the Roman church is still applicable today to you and I. It hasn't changed. The battle is still real. That battle is still raging. In our sinful nature, 
we're instinctively wired to go back to that old man, to go back to that old woman. That's why we have to keep throwing dirt on that person, keep stomping on that person. Because how many saw that old person wanting to rise up on Black Friday, right? You know, that's just an example. For me, it's whenever I go to Walmart, that old person wants to rise up. You know I don't like Walmart or shopping in there. And it just drives me nuts to go into Walmart. And uh, that old person wants to rise up. That's why I don't go. I keep that man buried. And I let Anna go. She goes and goes shopping at Walmart. But, But again, it comes natural to us when we allow that old person to come up. Romans 8, verses 6 and 7 says the following, To be carnally minded is death. To be fleshly minded, in another version, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Say that with me. It's life and peace. How many want life and peace? I don't know about you, but I want life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. God. See, our mind wars against the the thinking and the knowledge of God. It wars against it. It battles against it. We Even Paul declared, I I, I do the things I I, I don't want to do or or I fight against the things I want to do because he was battling himself. He was battling his carnal nature, his his fleshly desires. It's, It's an ongoing battle. And you know what? No matter how many times you go to church, how many Bible studies you go, how long you become a believer, that battle never goes away, my friend. It will never go away until we go into his presence. You will constantly be in that battle. But how many know that battles can be won? You can be a victor in the battle. You can be a victor. And I want to talk to you about how to be that victor in your life. So the Lord offers Paul a solution to how to defeat that stronghold. We're called to be transformed. Let me just share with you real quickly. The word transformation in the Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek. That word essentially means to break out, break out of that confined plan and blueprint and enter into a metamorphosis of thinking the same way God thinks. And I, and I was planning on showing you a video. We're not going to do that. But how many have seen the videos of a cocoon or a, a cocoon just breaking out the butterfly, breaking out of a cocoon? That's going through its metamorphosis process. If you've ever seen that, that's exactly what happens with you and I. We break out of this old person. We're bound by sin. We're, we're enslaved to sin. And, and Christ comes and he breaks those chains free. And now we begin to walk in freedom. We can now lift our hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender to you. I praise you. I couldn't do that before. I was bound right here in sin. I couldn't lift my voice to him. I was bound, enslaved. And now he gives us freedom and victory. Amen. That's the beginning of metamorphosis in your life. That's what Paul is talking about, about becoming transformed, transformed. So, again, how, how do we transform is the next question. How do we transform? Well, much like that caterpillar transforms into a beautiful butterfly, we do that same thing when we become more like him. We begin to think his thoughts. We begin to desire the things that God wants to desire. Now, all of a sudden, reading the Bible, oh, for me, when I was younger... We had the big family Bible. How many had a big family Bible? You could kill somebody with it. If you hit somebody over the head with it, it was that Bible. 
and it had beautiful color pictures and it sat on our coffee table when I was a kid. I, I never read it, I, but I would open it and look at the beautiful color pictures. Thought, that's a pretty cool book, but I never read it. But now I see this Bible. I can go and I can read it. I have a desire to read it. Oh my, how things have changed. Things have changed. I, I now can, can pray anywhere. I can lift my hands anywhere and not have to worry about well, who's looking, who's around me. That doesn't bother me. The Bible says if, if I'm ashamed of him here, he's going to be ashamed of me. Amen? I don't want to be like that. Amen. So now my thoughts are his. I follow his strategies. I follow his plan. He has a plan and purpose for your life. Amen? By the renewing of my mind, now those things can begin to happen. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, but Pastor Rick, I'm 32 years old, I'm 42 years old, I'm 72 years old, whatever age you are. And you might be saying, Pastor Rick, I've always thought that way. Things are never going to change. I've always been that way. My dad was like that, my granddad was like that, and my great-great-granddad was like that. And I'm never going to change. Hold up. We serve a God that with him all things are possible. Amen? Amen. How many have seen lives transformed? You don't have to be like your ancestor was. Uh, you know, many of you know, and I'll bring him up today, Pastor Steve Nelly from Napa. Many of you know him who founded this church here, planted this church. He came from a family of alcoholics. His name was a trash name in Napa. That last name of Nelly was not a name to be proud of. And his father, Pastor Steve's father, decided one day as he was growing up and raising his family and doing the same thing that his father did, he had a God moment. And he said, I will not allow this to happen for my kids and my generation, the future generation. And he made a decision and he, he stopped drinking with the help of Almighty God, quit cold turkey. And he raised four boys who are now full-time ministers, every single one of them, raising families and kids all beautiful kids that serve the Lord and God took them from this path to walk in this path. Amen? So it doesn't matter what's in your past DNA. It doesn't matter. You can listen to the doctors and tell you, oh, well, it's in your DNA. You know, how many know that God is in control of your DNA? Amen? God is in control of your life. Not some psychologist, not some doctor. With God, all things are possible. Jeremiah Chapter 32 and verse 17 says the following. It says, Our Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing, everybody say with me, nothing is too hard for you. What's too hard for God? Nothing. What is it? Uh, what is that obstacle that you see in your, in your path that you're saying, oh, that'll never happen. What is it? What is it? What does he say? Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for him. Amen? So we can, we can find ourselves giving up if we're not aware of scriptures like that. If we're not aware of what the Lord is telling you. We can find ourselves giving up and saying, well, my granddad was like that. My daddy's like that. I'm going to be just like that. No. No. Fight. You got to fight. Everybody say fight. Sometimes there's a, you just got to stand up and fight. You got you to gotta fight. And, and, and when it comes to the war over your mind, there's no other way but fighting. And, and, and I'm talking about a spiritual fight. Now, here's, here's, here's how it works, though. 
critical thinking. You have to be you have to use critical thinking here. Critical thinking is this. It causes us to become responsive to a purpose or goal. It causes us to be responsive to a purpose or a goal. If we align our thoughts with God's thought, we are assured success for the future. Why is that? Because he wrote the manual. He wrote the manual. He knows what's best for your life. Not the doctor. Not somebody else. God Almighty knows what's best for your life. God Almighty knows what's best for Vince and Alana and their future. Five years in the military. Who knows where they may go next? Now, does their, does their uh, commander know what's best for them? No, Almighty God does. So what they're going to be doing, they're going to be saying, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Open a door and close the door that you don't want for my life. That is the prayer you should both be praying, as well as each of you here today. Lord, lead me through the door that you want me to go to. Because how many know there's doors that we should never open, that we should never go through? And when we do, because we have a free will, we can go through those. And we look back and we say with regret, I never, ever should have done that. I know from experience, we've all been there. We've all been there. Ask God for wisdom every day. Ask God to direct your paths. And the Bible says he will lead and guide you. Amen? So again, we can, if we begin to align our thoughts with his, we are assured success in our future. That's powerful. That's powerful. And then our third point, it's time to align. It's time to align. Everybody say that with me. It's time to align. So let me ask you this next question. Just how do we align our thoughts with God's? How do our fleshly thoughts line up with God's? Well, there, there's plenty of opponents that we already have that don't want us or don't want our thoughts aligning with God. That's number one, Satan, and, and then the ways of the world. You may have a friend that is always telling you to do the wrong thing. Well, let me tell you, that's not your friend. That's not your friend, amen? Friends are going to encourage you to do the right thing, amen? But here's, here's the sad truth, though. There's another force at work against us. And everybody say this with me. Emotions. 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 How many can say this with me? That, that emotions got the best of me on that day. You ever say that? Right? That's every one of you. Okay. If you're human, that's a true statement. If you're not human, okay, no, I'll stop right there. Emotions are powerful. Good and bad. When, when the Raiders win... <laughs> Let's see, let me think about that. When, but when the Raiders win, there, there's, I know my brother-in-law Martin, there's Dan Quirk here, there's, there's many of you here that are excited and happy and emotions are flying high. That's a wonderful thing. <coughs> we'll pray for you brothers. Amen. Emotions are powerful. Just as powerful as when you lose somebody, when you lose a loved one. Emotions are powerful. You can't escape. Thank you, my dear brother. I'll take that H2O. Excuse me. Let me set that down. But emotions are extremely powerful. They are also warring against you. They will also lead you to make wrong choices. If you're led by just your emotions... I promise you, you will make the wrong choice. You will make the wrong choice. How many know that? 
To think differently, we must realign our desires and allow the Holy Spirit to control our emotions. Now, it's not a matter of being controlled in that sense of, well, I can't do anything. I can't think as a, as a free agent or of my free will. No, 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 no. I'm saying it's putting your thoughts captive and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct your thoughts, your emotions. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference. When you say, Lord, what, what do you want for my life? What is the purpose that you have for my life? And, and you're, you're filled with emotions of, of doing this, of doing that. God will give you the right plan. And let me tell you, when you start walking down that right path, those emotions will line up right with what God wants for you. You will be so happy, more happy than you've ever been in your life. Amen? And, and again, those emotions, a, a desire is a function of those emotions. Let's go back to the book of, uh, of Genesis with Adam and Eve. Eve was fueled by emotion, which caused her to stray. Fueled by emotion. She listened to a path that she shouldn't have been listening to. She listened to the serpent telling her, did God say? Did God really say this? Remember, remember what the enemy will always do. He'll always question the word of God. Does it really say this in the word of God? Does it really say that in the word of God? Yes. The word of God is true. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But she was fueled by her emotions and made a critical error, a critical uh, issue in her life right there, a critical, de- critical decision. Desire causes you to seek what is most precious to you, often without regard to the cost. Often without regard to the cost. This can be both good and bad. All prayer and communication, all prayer and communication is a result of desire. You have to desire to pray. You have the desire to communicate I don't know about you, but a lot of times holidays are a very tough time for families because of the, the lack of relationships sometimes within family members, the hurts that have happened within family members. Sometimes family members don't want a Thanksgiving dinner, a Christmas dinner, because then so-and-so is going to show up and they don't get along with so-and-so and those emotions come to the surface, right? But now... God can help you with that. How many know that? God can help you with that. But left to our own thinking, the battle in our mind, the war in our mind, it's a war. He's going to be there. She's going to be there. How am I going to deal with this? You know, I'm not saying any of you here ever have to do that. But I've heard those things happen. Amen. And and the war is real. The war is real. Desire is also linked with praise and delight. When we praise Him, we're filled with a desire to know Him more. How many have just started off praying or maybe even shown up to a service, a Sunday service? You really didn't want to be there. That bed felt really nice and, and you really wish you could just crawl back in bed and just you know, wake up to the smell of French toast in the air and you know, some cup of coffee and, and it sounds so good. And, and, but you show up. And then you're amazingly blessed because God spoke to you. Amen? That's exactly what happens. Amen? God will meet that need that you have. See, you had the desire to be in the house of God. You had the desire to start praying. And all of a sudden, a, a sense of the Holy Spirit just begins to speak to you. And where, if you had stayed in that warm bed and had a wonderful breakfast of French toast and coffee, you wouldn't have been blessed by God that morning. Amen? So... Again, it's got to be a desire. 
And as I close this morning, here's what I want to share with you. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to overtake our desires, our minds will not function right. Our minds will not function right. We have to allow the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take control of my thoughts and my desires. Carrie Underwood had it right when she came out with that song. And how many know what song I'm talking about? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, is he your co-pilot or is he your pilot? He's your pilot. He's not your co-pilot. He's the pilot. Jesus, take the wheel. And if Jesus has taken the wheel of your life, control of your life, you're in the right spot. Now, is everything going to be rosy and perfect because of that? No. He's going to mold you, shape you into that right person you need to be. That He's going to fulfill the purpose he has for your life. But you have to sit, start with the, with the thought here of, Lord, I'm going to put you first. This battle in my mind has been going on too long, Lord. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of do, doing things my way, Lord. I'm tired of doing things my way. And Lord, I want to look towards you. I want to look towards you. Because I'm tired of this. I'm tired. And sometimes we need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. There won't be any change until you get to that point, unfortunately. That's how it was for me. I got tired and sick and tired of doing things my way. Finally, I just I threw up my hands and said, Lord, if you're real, if you're real, you got to show up in my life. And he began to do that. He began to send me people in my life that witnessed to me for the very first time. People that began to share the word of God to me for the very first time. And I was amazed. And it was at a time in my life where I needed to hear that. I was hungry for that. I was a sponge for that. I was just absorbing it. It was love. It was emotion. All the things that God was filling my soul with that the world can't give you. The world can't fill that. It'll give you happiness for a night, for a season. Sin will. But then it's gone. It's gone. If you want something eternal, it's only found in the Word of God and by seeking Him first, by putting Him first in your life. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Let those words ring in your spirit. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And I'm talking about a desire that God has birthed in you and that you seek and that you seek after. It's a desire fulfilled like a tree of life. You see, when your heart is sick, your mind is infected. When your heart is sick, you can't think right. You can't love right. You can't be the spouse God created you to be when your mind is not right. How many know that? You have to get your mind in the right spot, in the right place. We will all face battles, every single one of us. And God is walking with you. How many love the the footprints poem when he walks with you? And I don't have to explain it here, but basically what he's doing is he's carrying you through that trial, through that time of disconnect, through that time of loneliness, through that time where it seems like it'll never end. And you begin to say, Lord, is this all? Is this all? No, the Lord's got more for you. The Lord's got more for you. He's got more blessing for you. But you got to put him number one. He's got a purpose for each of you. Amen.